Well, good morning. My name is Scott, for those of you who don't know me. Um, if you're a visitor here, I want you to know that you guys are welcome. We're so glad to have you guys here. Uh, you should know, though, that I'm not the pastor. I'm not Tony Hall. Uh, I'm Scott Ronyak. And uh, Tony's away visiting family in Virginia this morning, actually a couple days. So he asked me if I could come and share this morning, and I was more than happy to. Uh, so that's the plan. I'm just going to spend a couple minutes sharing about us, my family, our journey for the last five years, uh, and what we think the Lord is doing in our future. Uh, and then I just want to kind of hopefully encourage you guys in the Word this morning. And uh, so I need God to do that. I can't do this on my own. I, in my flesh, I can't convince you of what I think that you should care about. Um, but from God's Word this morning, I hope that the Holy Spirit convicts you, uh, changes you. I hope that we're the wise men who, as we hear the Word of God, we put the Word of God into practice. Uh, we don't just hear it and, and throw it on the wayside. Um, but we actually put it into practice. And so it's like the wise man who built his house on a rock that when, when storms came, troubles came, um, it was firm, firmly rooted. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God just to bless the service to use me, uh, to soften your guys' hearts, to receive what I have to say. Uh, so here we go. Father God, you are so good. God, you are so good. You are always good. I just pray that this morning you would use me to be an instrument of proclaiming your word. God, that you would just help me to overcome fear of man, Lord. It's easy to, to be nervous and to be afraid, Lord, but um, we know that we have been given the authority of Christ uh, through your word, God. And I just pray this morning you would exhibit the power of your spirit in speaking through me, God, and that you would exhibit the power of your Holy Spirit by um, giving the hearers just ears to hear and eyes to see from your truth, God. So we're just asking you to come, Lord. Just come and let your spirit work here. Do what I can't do. God, just infect hearts this morning. Change hearts and change minds. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So a little bit about myself. Uh, again, my name is Scott. Um, my wife's name is Kate. We have two kids. Uh, Grace is two and a half years old. Micah is eight months. And uh, we've, been, we've been walking with the Lord for... About five years, five and a half years, uh, my wife became a believer uh, in college, um, and she influenced me then. I, was, I grew up Catholic and never really understood who Jesus was, uh, what he was about, but um, God began to use my wife to, uh, to get me to question things, and I started to read the Bible. And so about five years ago, I started following the Lord. And it wasn't long after that, uh, I graduated from college. And my wife graduated, and we got married in August of 2005. And uh, in October of 2005, so this is four years ago, we started coming to Cornerstone. Uh, so we've been here a little while. A lot of you might not know me because you've started coming in the last eight months, and I've been gone. Uh, so we've actually been here. And uh, I just want to tell you guys, uh, when Tony's gone, just how blessed you are uh, to sit under his teaching. Um, Tony upholds the Word of God to the highest esteem. He values scripture. He uh, believes in the inerrancy and the infallibility, infallibility of scripture. And for us to, to get to sit under that teaching is such a blessing. Uh, we came in as infants just longing for, for spiritual milk. And I feel like when we left in January, we were kind of gnawing on some of, the, some of the meat of the gospel. And uh, so I just, I'm so thankful for this church body. I'm so thankful for Tony and his ministry here. And uh, just next time you see him, just thank, thank him for um, staying true to God's word. 
But shortly after we started coming here, we listened to a sermon uh, by Brad Buser. And I know that some of you remember this sermon, the churches I remember. Uh, we really we wrestled with this sermon. He, he spoke at Cornerstone Simi, which is a church that ours was planted from in California. And he pretty much taught in Matthew 28. I'm just going to read it quickly. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the, edge of the, even to the end of the age. I just remember his, his exhortation from this text was, what are you doing? How are you obeying Christ in this command? And we just evaluated our lives and said, we aren't. We don't know what we're doing. Um, and so the Lord put a burden on my heart, my wife's heart, on the same day, actually, independently, that he was going to use us to, to go to the nations. And uh, so this kind of began our process of, of shooting uh, to be foreign church planners, missionaries, whatever you want to call us. Um, it began the process. It was a long process. So this was, this was three and a half years ago, I think, we were, we were convicted by Scripture. And uh, we actually just started the process last January. So it took us three years of a lot of closed doors. Uh, we pursued five different agencies, five or six, five different countries. Um, so we tried to make it happen, and it just wasn't happening. And about the time I threw up my hands and said, Okay, Lord, I don't think you're doing this anymore. Uh, that's the point which he opened the door and we went. So uh, I say that to encourage you. If there's something you believe the Lord's called you to, just be patient and wait on him. Uh, if he's calling, he'll do it. So it was last year, about October, we had just been rejected by uh, our last <laughs> mission agency. And um, I, I was done. It was it. I was like, okay, we're not doing this anymore. And it was at that point that Kate found out about Two Every Tribe through a conference they were doing. Uh, that's the ministry that we're with. It's called Two Every Tribe Ministries. And uh, the school started in January. We found out about it in October or November, something like that. And Kate was eight months pregnant. And so she said, you know, she was talking to the people at the office there and just said, well, I'm pregnant, so there's, you know, we'll probably be able to come in 2010, maybe. Um, and the lady just said, well, we have doctors here. So Kate traveled with Grace, uh, being eight months pregnant, and Micah was born three weeks after we got there. Uh, but the whole process was six weeks. In six weeks, we sold all our stuff. Uh, the Lord rented our house. It, he made it happen. And so it was just a testimony that we believe that God is leading us in this direction. But I want to talk just a little bit about To Every Tribe, the ministry that we're with. Um, it started out of a, a dream of Tommy and David Sitton, uh, they are husband and wife who spent, I think, about 13 years in, in Papua New Guinea uh, from the late 70s to the early 90s. And uh, they got kicked out of the country because of visa issues. Uh, and they've just had a heart to train up the next generation of people to kind of continue on their legacy. And so from that dream, birth to every tribe and what's called the Center for Pioneer Church Planners or Church Planning, uh, that's the school that we went to. And the whole mindset of To Every Tribe is to reach the people that have never had an opportunity to hear the gospel. And so their mission statement comes right out of Scripture, uh, Romans 15, 20 through 21. It says this, And thus I aspired to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already named, so that I would not build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, they who had no news of him shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. So their whole, their whole vision and mission is to 
Go to the places that have never had the exposure to the gospel. Uh, take the good news to people who have never even had an opportunity to hear. Uh, so that's kind of their, their, their niche, if you will. Um, I, just, I don't want to bore you guys with numbers, but I just want to educate you somewhat on the need for an organization like this. Um, I'm going to define the word people group. I'm going to use it a lot today. A people group, uh, in, in Matthew 28, when Jesus says, uh, make disciples of all nations, that word in the Greek is ethnos. And what that means, it's not nation like America is a nation or Mexico is a nation. It means people groups. It means people that are separated by uh, language or geography or history. Uh, so you, you think of a tribe in Papua New Guinea, that is one language group. That is one uh, people group. So as I refer to people groups, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about nations the way we think of it, but nations as in uh, pockets of people groups around the world. So in the whole world, they say, whoever they is, joshuaproject.net, uh, they do a great job of categorizing people groups uh, across the whole world. And they've come up with these numbers. I think they're pretty accurate. Um, 16,371 people groups in the whole world. And out of that 16,300 some, there are still 6,500 people groups that have never had a chance to hear the gospel. That's a lot of people. It actually comes out to be 247 billion people that have never had the opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And so we want to do something about that. We want to be used to um, be messengers of the gospel. And, and again, the need of this is immense. Um, of all the church donation that's given out from America, all the money that the churches give out, 5% of it goes to missions. Okay, so five cents for every dollar goes to missions. But unfortunately, of all the money that's given out of the American church, 0.5% goes to the unreached people. So that's a half penny per dollar that goes to funding these 6,500 unreached people groups. And so that's, that's, our, that's our goal. That's our aim. Um, and so they want to, to every tribe wants to train up and send out the next generation of missionary. Uh, they call them martyr missionary. Missionaries that are willing to not just give their life physically and die, um, which, as followers of Christ, we all should be willing if God would call us to that. But just giving your life to it, the idea of martyrdom, giving your life to it, uh, being serious about it. Um, they want to raise up the next generation of martyr missionaries. And uh, so the school is eight months. That's what we just went through. And it's what they used to train. Um, it was a fantastic school. Uh, they cover biblical theology. They cover, cover systematic theology. Um, and also cross-cultural church planning um, all sorts of things. I've got a list of the classes, and it's just, they get incredible people in there to teach, and we were so blessed by that time. I just we, we went with the mindset, let's just go, let's just go to the nations, we can do it. Um, but after learning this, I was so ignorant. I was so stupid, honestly. I didn't know anything. And even thinking about how do we, how do we contextualize, how do we take the gospel and, and preserving its integrity, present it in a way that they'll understand I had never thought about that. So they, they put a, a heavy emphasis on just training to be prepared. Um, so their main targets right now are in Papua New Guinea and Mexico. And uh, my wife and I are actually part of a team that's shooting to leave for Papua New Guinea sometime next year. And just to, to give you some quick uh, statistics about Papua New Guinea, um, it's a very small country. And within the country, there's 880 different people groups just there. Uh, so it's very spread out. It's very small pockets of people. Um, 
some, some of the tribes have maybe 100 people in them, and they're considered a people group. And so we need people that are willing to give their lives to give hope to 100 people. And that's not big numbers. You can't stand in front of a church and say, I had 50,000 people saved under my ministry. But these people need the hope of the gospel too. So um, that's just a little bit about Papua New Guinea. Um, they, they have been reached uh, on the big scale. Most of the 880 tribes have been reached, maybe anywhere between six or 700. Those are just estimates. Um, Joshua Project includes uh, some influence that we might not include. Uh, we're, we're thinking evangelical gospel, the gospel that we're sal- saved by grace through faith. Um, there's, there's some other um, sections of Christianity that have different views on that. And we want to give the true gospel. We want to give the hope that salvation is not through works, uh, but it's by the work of Christ, the finished work of Christ. And so the, the numbers in Joshua Project for who is reached is a little bit off. Um, but we, when I went there in March, actually, we visited a people group that... Uh, have no evangelical witness in their midst. And we were able to preach the gospel to them, and it was, it was incredible. But we're hoping that we can send a team back there to continue. It, church planning is not just preaching the gospel once. It's building foundations. It's training up uh, local people to, to run the church and to, to um, lead the church. Um, but the, they're out there. So there's a need, and that's why we want to go. Uh, the people that are still unreached, they're unreached for a reason. Uh, geographically, they're very difficult to get to. Uh, so we're going to have to be very creative in how we go about doing that. Uh, so that's just a little bit about us, a little bit about what we're doing. Uh, here's what I want to encourage you guys with Scripture, okay? Um, as I talk about this, and uh, hopefully as you guys aren't zoning out, um, I just want to address why you guys should care. Why, as the body of Christ, we should care about these unreached people? Uh, I'm going to suggest three reasons. I just... I. I feel the Lord has laid them on my heart to, to share these three reasons. I'm sure there's dozens other, dozens of other reasons, uh, but these three uh, I hope to encourage you with. So the first one is this. We should care as the church about unreached people um, because God cares. God cares so much, actually, that he sent his own son to die for them. We, we don't even, we can't comprehend that kind of, that kind of love that he cared so much that he sent his son to die for them, which is the gospel. That's the gospel, right? All man has sinned against God. Every single person on this planet has sinned against God. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And God is perfect and holy and just, and he has to, he has to punish sin. He has to. He cannot let sin into his presence. So God has to punish sin. But in God's love, he sent Jesus, his son, to live a perfect life. Jesus is the only man who ever lived a perfect life. But he was killed. And he was killed for our sins. And the word we use for this that I, I really want you guys to, to know this morning, the word is propitiation. We see it in 1 John 2.2. 2. Uh, we see it in Romans 3.25 and, and 1 John 4.10. The idea of propitiation is that Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross, God the Father was pouring out his wrath against my sin as a follower of Christ. He was pouring out my wrath onto Jesus. And so when the Bible says there's, no, there's therefore no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, it's because Jesus has already taken the condemnation upon himself. Okay, so Jesus is hanging there. He's our propitiation for our sins. The wrath that was meant for me, for my sins, were taken off and put onto Jesus on the cross. 
Okay, that's the idea of propitiation. There's the idea of wrath-bearing or, or appeasal, and then there's also the idea of substitution. So Jesus was a substitute. He bore my wrath. So that's the gospel, right? So we, we, we go and we teach this, and our charge then is repent and believe. Turn from your sins and believe the gospel. It's the only way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to God. There's no other way to worship God. Jesus is the only way because he took the wrath that we deserved upon himself. So naturally, if there's no blood, if there's no Jesus, there's wrath on us, right? So that's the gospel. I I pray that if you guys haven't heard that before, that you would just respond in faith, that God would just tear your heart open, that you would repent from your sins, that you would be saved, you'd believe in Jesus. Um, He is the only way. Uh, So my question then is, who is this message of faith and repentance for? Who is it for? Who who deserves to hear it? Well, none of us deserve to hear it, but John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. So the message of the gospel is a message that needs to be proclaimed to the world. So God's love is not limited to one people group. It's not limited to one nation or one country, okay? But God's love has been shown through the cross to people from every single people group on earth, okay? I'm going to say that again. God's love has been shown through the cross, through the sending of his son, to people from every single people group on earth. And the way that I know this, you might ask, well, how do you know that? How do you know there's going to be people who, who are saved from every uh, people group? Uh, if you guys want to turn your Bibles to Revelation 5, 9, and we're also going to look at Revelation 7, 9. But what's happening here is the Apostle John is taken up in, in his spirit into heaven, and he's, he's witnessing the throne room of God, and he sees God on his throne. He sees the elders, the 24 elders, worshiping. He sees the four creatures. It's just this amazing uh, scene of God's holiness. And in the midst of that, we have this passage, Revelation 5, 9. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals. For you were slain, it's talking about Jesus, and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And then if you turn over a page or two to Revelation 7, 9, it says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude with no, uh, which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes. Okay, so there's going to be representatives from every ethnos, every people group on the planet in heaven. It says right here that there will be people from every people group on the planet. So, since God's love is so great in, in redeeming people through his son, the care that he showed, the love that he showed through the cross, ought we not as God's people have a similar concern, a similar care? So my first point is we should care about the unreached because God cares. And God cares a lot, enough that he sent his son. My second point is this. We should care as the body of Christ about the unreached people because God has a plan to save people from every people group on earth. We just saw that, right? And this plan isn't a new plan, okay? We can look back 2,000 years uh, to what we call the Great Commission, which is Matthew 28, where Jesus says, go to the nations. Uh, A 2,000-year-old plan would be a pretty well-established plan, I think. But I think it goes farther than that, okay? If we look at uh, Psalm 96, this is 3,000 years ago. A thousand years before Christ. 
And uh, David's writing a psalm. I'm sorry, I'm going to be reading out of the New American Standard. So Michael is the only one who will be able to follow along. (laughs) Right on. Good job. Okay, 96. Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Tell of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in holy attire. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all it contains. Let the field exult and all that is in it. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Okay, so we see the nations all through this, right? This is David. This is Old Covenant, right? We see David talking about proclaiming the goodness of God to the nations. So this is 3,000 years ago. Again, a 3,000-year-old plan would be a very well-established plan. I think it goes farther back. Uh, God's promise to Abraham, okay, in Genesis 18.18. There's uh, five times in Genesis that God promises Abraham that he would bless him and make a great nation out of him and that the nations would be blessed through him, or the nations would be blessed through his seed. And so in Genesis 18.18, we just have one of the accounts. And it says this, Since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, and in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. The in him is a reference to Christ. We know that from Galatians 3. It talks about, uh, when it says, uh, another account says that in his seed, All the nations will be blessed. That seed is Christ. It was a foreshadow of Jesus to come, who was in the lineage of Abraham, and that the nations would be blessed through Christ. And so we see in um, Galatians, I'm losing my place here, Galatians 3.8, the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, all nations will be blessed in you. That word nations, again, is the word ethnos. So God is promising that through the lineage of Abraham, all the nations would be blessed. So through Christ, all the nations would be blessed. So this was a plan that's been established for at least 4,000 years that the gospel would go to the nations. I'm going to go even farther back. I bet you didn't see that coming. Um, I think, and I'm going to qualify this, I think that even before the foundation of the world was laid, that God had the nations in mind. The reason I think this if we turn to Revelation 13.8, it talks about this book. And I'm not going to get into all that this book is about, but I'm going to touch on it a little bit. Uh, to set this up just a little bit, there, it's talking about the Antichrist coming and how people are going to worship the Antichrist. Okay? So when, it, when it's talking about worshiping him, they're talking about the Antichrist at this point. All who dwell on earth will worship him, 
everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world and the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. So whatever this book is, these people aren't going to worship the Antichrist, and it's been written before the foundations of the earth. And then we see a little bit uh, past this in Revelation twenty-one twenty-four, we get a little bit more clarification of what this book is. So Revelation twenty-one twenty-four through 27. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. In the daytime, for there will be no night there, its gates, its gates will never be closed, and they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean, and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. It's talking about the same book. Um, this book was written before the foundation of the world that has names written in it, the names of the people that, who God would save. And since we, we just saw earlier that there are going to be people from every nation, there are people's names in this book from every nation on earth. So even before the foundations of the world were laid, God had the nations in mind. Okay, So my point then is that ought we not care if God has this eternal plan for the nations? If it's a big deal to God, shouldn't it be a big deal to us? So my first point, we should care because... God cares, and God cares so much that he gave his son to die for them. My second point is that we should care because God has a plan. And I, I hope that all of you are tracking, and we can kind of agree to this and nod our heads that yes, okay. This is when it's going to get personal, this third point, okay. We don't have to do anything at this point. We just, we're seeing, okay, this is true of Scripture. Um, this third point is when we have to look at ourselves. The third point that we should care is that because we're a part of that plan. We are a part of God's eternal plan to save the nations. And I want to qualify this by, uh, just quickly, I'll just read it, James 1.18. It says this, In the exercise of his will, God's will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. He brought us forth by the word of truth. Okay? What I'm going to suggest, Paul lays out perfectly in, in Romans 10.14-17, uh, so, I know I'm having you guys flip a lot, but if you want to turn to um, Romans 10, 14 through 17. I can't say any better than Paul, so I'm just going to read it. He says this, How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. And then a, a little bit forward it says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. So God has chosen to use us as instruments to preach the gospel, to initiate faith. Paul is saying, how are they going to believe if, if they don't know? How can you believe in something you don't know? Faith comes through hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. So in my mind, that's pretty straightforward. We as a church, we have a job to preach the gospel. And it's not, it's not a burdensome job. It's a privilege that we get to take this message of salvation to people that have never heard it. It's a privilege. So there's encouragement for me in Galatians 1. Paul's just talking about his conversion. He's talking about God saving him. And in Galatians 1.15, he says, But when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace 
was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I, I want you guys to think about this for a second. Okay, Paul was sa- saved by the same grace that we are, right? We're saved by grace through faith in the same Jesus that Paul was saved by, okay? He says that he was set apart from his mother's womb to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And so there's two things I, I, I want to see from this. The first is that we are too. <laughs> we are too. We've been set apart by God. He saved us to preach to the Gentiles. Now, maybe some of you will be called to preach to the Jews. Amen. That's great. But I'd say probably most of us have been called to preach to the Gentiles, to the unreached. And uh, so I just I want to encourage you that we look at Paul and we say, wow, God did such amazing things through him. He was, he was an amazing missionary, which he was. But God has set us apart for the same work that Paul was doing. In my mind, it's, it's no different. We've been set apart to preach to the Gentiles. The second point is this. Paul was saved so that. Okay? Paul wasn't saved to live a comfortable, safe life. He wasn't saved to have a build his own kingdom. Paul was saved so that. Okay? We're saved for a purpose. We are saved for a reason. And I would contend that the reason that we are saved is the so that. In Ephesians 2, we learn that God actually has prepared good works for us to walk in. Okay? I think that we're saved to walk in those good works. We're not saved to, to sit on our bums. I mean, we're saved to go into action and to get to preach the gospel and watch God save Gentiles. So I, I want to encourage you with that. Um, I'm going to go forever if I keep going. So this is what I want to encourage you guys with this morning. In my mind, it seems very logical that this is a call to God's church to to do this, okay? It's not dependent on us. God's going to do it, but he uses us. He uses us. And so uh, John Piper puts it so well. I'm just, I'm going to use his words. Um, you're either going or you're sending or you're being disobedient. So you're either fulfilling this commission by going, you're filling it by sending, or you're not obeying Christ. And some of you might not like that. Um, I have to agree with them, though. I have to agree with them. And so I just want to address the people who, I can't explain it, but you just know that God is going to use you to be a goer, okay? We just somehow knew. I'm not going to give it a term like a call or whatever because a lot of people hide behind, I'm not called. Uh, we're all called to missions. But I want to address those who, who feel that, that stirring inside of them that God has initiated to be the ones that actually are on the front lines, the pioneers, uh, I want to encourage you to not put it off. Um, passionately pursue it. If God has called you to it, God is going to make it happen. And I would love to, to talk to you. I would love to pray with you. I would love to encourage you. I would love to help you. Uh, it took us three years to get... We haven't even gone yet. It took us three years to get to the point where we are now. Um, not that we need to rush anything, but... We've gone through a bunch of garbage, and maybe we can help you not. <laughs> maybe we can help the process of, if you really believe God is calling you to, to go to the nations, um, let's just talk. Let's, let me pray for you. If you want to come up after the service, whatever, uh, I can give you my email address. I'd be happy to meet up with anybody. I just encourage you just to talk to you. Um, and so I would just say this. Don't miss out, okay? If that's what you think God is doing, don't miss out. It's a privilege. I also want to address those who just know, however, 
that they're not called to go, that God wants them to stay, which, praise God for that. All of us shouldn't go. I'm not telling everyone they need to get up and go. Um, I'm going to call you a radical sender, okay? The idea that you are going with them, as Paul says, in spirit. I'm with you there. In, I'm with you in spirit, okay? It's, money is important. Missionaries need money to live off of, um, believe it or not. But honestly, prayer, petition, um, a heart, being there with them, that is huge. And so being a radical sinner is not just writing huge checks, but it's that too. It's, uh, <laughs> it's being there. It's being with them. It's caring about their ministry. It's caring about what God is doing and praying and, and being just as much a part of the team as the people that are going. And so I just want to clarify, we don't have two tiers. We don't have this, the goers and the senders. It's not that at all. It's the same. It's the same task. It's the same goal Senders can't send without goers, and goers can't go without senders, right? So we need each other. So I just pray that if, if God has you here, praise God, but be a part of it. Don't miss out. Don't miss out. Um, my other little thing for senders, you guys are doubly blessed, okay? Because you get to be a part of the nations as you are praying, as you're sending, as you are uh, involved with the missionaries. Uh, but you also have another mandate, uh, the Great Commission, okay? It's for you too. And so I want to help cultivate this idea of domestic missionary, okay? Thinking of yourselves as a domestic missionary. So you have the opportunity to be involved with what's going on far, but you also have the opportunity to fulfill Christ's commission right at your job and right at your, in your neighborhood. And um, so I just want to encourage you with that. It's not a missionary text, right? It's a believer's text. It's for all believers Go and make disciples of all nations. And so I just would challenge you, um, do that. <laughs> Tony said last week, he talked about being the light and the salt of the world. It's the same thing, right? Yes? <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm going to wrap up. Um, we have information out there for those of you who really think God is calling you, is sending you, is, is lighting something in your heart, just that you want to be a part of it on the front line. Uh, again, just talk to us, email us. Uh, we have information out there about the organization, the school. Um, the school is actually going to a two-year program next year. It's going to be great. Um, we got so much information there that was like a hose in our face, a fire hose. Uh, they're spreading out over two years just to give the students more time to kind of ingest it. Um, so we'd love to talk to you about that. Uh, if you guys have any questions, we'll be out there. And uh, just be encouraged, right? Be encouraged by the Word of God. He's doing it, but He uses us. He uses us by either going or sending. So let me pray. Father, thank you so much, God, just for your word. Thank you for your heart, God, that caused you to send your son to die on our behalf. Um, Jesus, to think of the, the horror that you went through, the suffering that you went through to pay for my sins. God, I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. But in your goodness, you have chosen to do that. And God, we praise you. We worship you, God. You are so good. You are always good. Lord, I just pray that you would uh, give us what we need, God, to walk in obedience. God, we know that apart from you, we can do no good. So we just are praying, uh, we're praying for you to cultivate in us obedience, God, walking with Jesus, being Jesus to the people around us, loving people, serving people. God, we can't do any of it apart from you. So we're just asking you to come and work in our hearts and just... Like I prayed before, God, help us to be the wise men and women who hear the word of God and, and put it into practice, God. I just pray that, 
that nobody would be able to walk out of here and, and just forget what was said today, God, but they would be convicted by your Holy Spirit that this is your heart, God, to reach the nations, to, to, to give the good news of your son Jesus to every person on earth. God, that's your heart. We see it so clear in Scripture. So we just we thank you that you give us the opportunity to be the catalyst of that, to, to be the ones that get to take the good news. It is a privilege, Lord, and I just pray that you would, you would work that in our hearts, God. We love you so much, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.